0: Listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. We're going to continue on in our little book series. If you missed any of it, it's all online. We've gone through, we've just been barreling through entire books of the Bible. Uh, Today, we've got this entire book on this side of the sheet called John 2nd. It's a whole page. And it's slightly longer than what Adam preached on, on uh, the the third John last week. So we're just crushing books in this church, entire books of the Bible all the time. Um, So let's take a look at the map really quick. There's a map of where we see see this. And again, we're here in uh, Ephesus, which is modern day Turkey. And there's churches all over in that area. And actually, as I remember this, I was asking one of my friends quickly, but I'm pretty confident of this is uh, when, I went to, when I went to Ephesus, we spent two days there. We went to this place that was a little bit outside of the city, city proper of Ephesus, and this was uh, where they believed John was buried. Now, his bones weren't there because uh, our good friend, the Catholics, got those bones and took them to Rome, uh, but uh, this is where they believed he was buried, and we got to go see that place and see. So this is the Apostle John, the one that Jesus... Loved, according to himself, um, you know that he loved him more, and so this is who we are uh, understanding. Wrote these letters and is credited with the gospel. Um, couple points as I was diving through this. There's kind of two halves to this. These fabulous um, thirteen verses, two hundred and ninety-eight words. Uh, there's a front half that we're going to talk about, and the second half that we'll talk about. But really, a lot of John, from his gospels to his letters, has to deal with truth. And so I have some different quotes about truth. I took out the one that Dumbledore said in, is this Harry Potter? Is it Harry Potter? Is that right? Okay. I I always get Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings confused. You can tell I'm a raving fan. I took out that quote to the dismay of some of the other folks. They were like, dang, we should have kept that in there. But You know, some people maybe feel differently about Harry Potter and how that works with the kingdom of God. Um, But let's take a look at a couple quotes here. This first one is from uh, Joe Kloss. It says, "Uh, the truth will set you free, but first it'll tick you off. I changed the word uh, that was there for ticked, or I changed that word, so it's not totally his quote. But have you ever had the truth set you free, but it was a painful way to be set free? And so when you think about like that, the truth will set you free, um, you know, we find that in God's word and, and finding Jesus is something that sets you free from baggage and lots of things that maybe you've been carrying with you your whole life. Uh, the next one it says, uh, above all, don't lie to yourself. The man who lies to himself listens to his, to his own lie and comes to a point that he cannot distinguish the truth within him or around him and so loses all respect for himself. And for others, and having no respect, he ceases to love. Interesting. Quoting things from love and truth and what happens when those are separated. And last year, never be afraid to raise your voice for honesty and truth and compassion against injustice. And lying and greed. If people all over the world would do this, it would change the earth. Now, this isn't just screaming and yelling and then not doing anything about it, because we have lots of folks doing that. This is actually taking what we understand in our Christian world, God's truth, and taking it to the world and showing it to people compassionately and with love And helping people and being willing and believing that you have the truth. And so today we're going to talk a little bit more about truth and kind of laying it out there. And sometimes it seems like it could be messy. Now, the Gospel of John 14, 6, it says, Jesus answered, and he said, This is what Jesus said about himself. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a pretty bold statement. That's a pretty bold thing to say about yourself. Actually, uh, one of the things that got him killed is he said that he was Messiah. So let me ask you this question. Can you define truth? Can you describe truth? See, truth is historical. It's been around for a long time. The idea of truth has been around for a long time or how it's been seen. Uh, In... The, the Greeks, uh, their, their word is uh, aletheia, and actually in uh, the text we're looking at in the previous text uh, with uh, John's gospel, the noun form of truth occurs 25 times in his gospel, nine times in 1 John, five times in these 12 verses or 13 verses, and six times in the letter that Adam shared with us last week. So truth was a big deal. It's almost like he was trying to guide these churches at the end of his life to stick and stay on track with what the truth was. Romans, uh, veritas, which is what they would say the word is for truth, it's Latin. It's a factual representation of events. Jews, it was emeth, E-M-E-T-H, and they believed that that truth was something that God is the one who defines truth. And they found their truth in the Torah. And they would look to this as the supreme source of truth, of a way of living their life and making judgments of what is right and what is wrong. Kind of a good idea. And we, as Christians, jump on this and we have an understanding of truth. And we see the truth in the form of Jesus Christ. The way the truth And the life. then we have a modern era that has ideas of truth that we are involved in. And there's kind of these multiple truth concepts that, that you and I are engaged in every day and whether we know it or not. So one of them is like a cultural truth or a cultural relativism, we would say. And this describes a culture of how people believe and think and they act. And to them, it is truth. Like Hitler, for example. He believed that there was a superior race. He believed that all of these people that weren't of this race were to be exterminated and eliminated. And somehow he got millions of people to believe his truth. And we read about it in our history books, I think still. And there's, that was the cultural truth in in a lot, large parts and large portions of the German folks there, right? Did, was it true? Is that accurate? Was it right? No, but it was culturally true to them at that time, and they were like, "It's almost like this is why it's so dangerous." When we have start adopting the mindset of the "you do you," hey, you do you, long as it doesn't hurt me, or hey, you know, YOLO, you only live your life once, just do whatever you want to do doesn't affect, whatever makes you happy, that's dangerous. That's really dangerous because what I do can have a big effect over a lot of people. When I, I take the weight of this stage pretty seriously, I know I'm not always great up here, but I take it pretty seriously because I'm representing our eldership. I'm representing our sermon club team. I'm representing something even better, bigger than that, my heavenly father. And so there's a weight of this. And there's a weight to words and there's a weight to what have said. And so if you see me on my face somewhere worshiping before I go up there, I'm just like, Lord, help me. I don't want to misrepresent you. I want, I want your word to come across beautifully the way it was written and intended. And sometimes it's strong and sometimes it's comforting. And you all represent what God's truth looks like out there as Christians how you act, how you function. So there's cultural relativism, there's social relativism, and this social relativism of truth is almost like a prescribed truth. Society says something is okay. So with Hitler, it was a culture that he was creating. In our world, it's society. And so like, for example, and this is, don't take this wrong if if, if, you've, if this has been part of your story or part of your life, but... At some point in the last 50 or 60 years, our society said it was okay to kill babies inside their moms. And it got so much to the point that there became legal laws around that, that the law said it was okay to do this. And as we've been hanging out in this area for a long time, we're like, well, and some of you longer than, than me as we look at, it, like, yep, well, the, the, you know the, the, these people said it's okay. Does that make it Okay. And that's not even the problem. It's actually the problem before the, the the problem after the problem, which is what we talked about a while ago about our uh, our sexual uh, code of ethics. You know, you know how many married couples are going out and having abortions? Not very many. It's usually like this idea of. Of our choice. So when you think about the social uh, culturalism, like the social idea of like, well, whatever we all think is truth, then is truth and is okay. Is that true? That's not true. So it's almost like a prescription. It's a prescribed truth. Or society can prescribe what family units look like now. A family unit for most of the known. World, or at least as I could tell, was a mom and a dad and kids and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles, and that seemed to be like a good way to raise a family. And that's being changed. Those goalposts have been moved. And then there's like the the I relativism, the I idea of truth, and I have touched on this a little bit already. But you do you. I'll do me, as long as your truth doesn't affect my truth. But we don't live in a world by ourselves. This does not work. What you and I do, do affect those around us. So as we're getting ready to dive into the text here, truth is pretty important, isn't it? It's important to be able to recognize truth and to recognize false truths and to be able to stand up and share it gracefully and carefully and lovingly from your heart to not let people be misled. As Christians, we want to model what truth is the best that we can, and I am not the best model all the time. I'm working on it. We care for each other and we teach God's truth the best we can because we, as Christians who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, have this thing inside of us called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us define and understand what is right and what is wrong. And you typically already know that. It's just whether we listen to it or not, me included. So I'm going to go through this letter. I'm going to jump in and out of this letter as we uh, move through this. And uh, let's see what the Lord has to say for us in 2 John. It says, uh, starts out, the elder, the same way 3 John start out. To the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth. And not only I, not, excuse me, and not I only, but also all who know the truth because of the truth Which lives in us And will be in it with us forever So interesting introduction to this thing It's written to uh, the lady And this could be, in Ephesus This could be the lady of a house Where there's a house church A lot of scholars will, will look at this And they'll be like, okay, this is to a specific person They're so, They love this letter The, the people who try and you know, understand If the text is accurate or not They love this letter Because this is a very common form of of letters that would happen. It's on one page of, of papyrus. It's on, it's on one sheet. It makes a lot of sense from a scholar standpoint that this is original and intact. And so it goes on to whom I, whom I love in the truth and not only I, but also all who know the truth. So he's talking about this truth thing. Because of the truth, and where does the truth uh, hang out at? Which lives in us. The truth lives inside of us and will be with us forever. Interesting. So we have this thing called the truth. Grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and in love. Who is truth? What is truth? Where is it? God the Father. And from Jesus Christ the Father's Son who will be with us in truth and love. Goes on to say, "It's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth." The word here for walking is peripateo, and it means to tread with. It means to walk alongside. And here's something I thought was interesting. Interesting, he says, means to be preoccupied with, to be preoccupied with something. And I had to start asking myself questions this week, like I do. What I say. That I am preoccupied with the things of God, with His truth. Do I submit myself to the truth of God? Where would I find it? Am I a fan of the truth? Cool book, like it a lot. Or am I an actual follower of the truth? It's much easier to be a fan of the truth. It's it's a little more challenging to be a follower. Again, verse 4, it's been giving me great joy, he says, to find some of your children walking, being preoccupied in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. Oh, we're commanded, we're instructed to be living and walking and, and working through the truth. Are we preoccupied with that? And now, dear lady, I'm not writing to you something that's new, a new command, but one we've had from the beginning Oh, truth's been around a long time. I ask that we love one another. Hmm. It's connecting truth and love. That's interesting. And this is love that we walk, that we are preoccupied in being obedient to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love, you be preoccupied with displaying and showing people the love that God has showed you? Are you preoccupied with showing God's love to other people? Does it translate out into your hands? Are you out doing and serving God's people and loving them and showing them what it looks like and you're creating this culture, this, this culture of service, this culture of, of, of caring, of seeing, of speaking and, and like encouraging folks? Is that what you're doing? As God has commanded us to do that. And this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. We are preoccupied with his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Now, how will I know if I'm walking in the truth? How will I know if I'm preoccupied with what God has? I think it's evident in how well we love. And that's a result of being preoccupied in the truth. How much time does this get? How much time does this get? How much time does it get with other people? Are you hunting for people to serve and to care for and to love and to empower and to encourage? Is that, hunting is probably the wrong word. Well, it might be the right word for Idaho. Um, Yeah, we're going to go get them. But are you aware of who God's providing and putting around you? The result of walking in the truth is grace and mercy. And God will be poured out of your life onto others because you're walking in the truth. And it's beyond just Bible reading, which is a great place to go because there's lots of great truth here. How many people know somebody who knows all the truth? Like they are like the super sharp Bible person. You're like, they know stuff. Like they memorize stuff. Like they're, they're awesome. They get it. His name's Jesus. Good. Yes, he was pretty good at it. Um, but there's people that know the truth, right? They have the information. They got letters after their name. They have all those things but you're like, you're not seeing the fruit. They have it intellectually, but it's never left their head and come down into their heart. And if it never leaves your head and comes down into your heart and starts to change you and starts to change how you walk with it, then it'll never come out in your hands and your feet. I love this quote from this guy I was listening to this week. He said, truth has feet. It walks. And love are in its hands. So that's the first part of this letter. He's really talking about truth and what truth is and where you can find it and who, who it is. It's in, it's in the very essence of Jesus Christ. And so we're like, hey, God is love. Cool, move on. Hold that point. Verse 7. So I say this stuff about truth because there's many deceivers who don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. And they have gone out into the world, and any such person is a deceiver and the antichrist. They are against the Messiah. They are against the anointed one. They are against the Savior. And so what was happening here in his context is there was, uh, they believe there was a group of people that were teaching, like, yeah, Jesus was a good guy, he was a prophet, he was cool, he's a nice guy, like some other faiths teach that he has, he's a good teacher, but he wasn't really real, he was just kind of a spirit. And so he's just this spirit, you know, like my other god, like Zeus. Like, you know, the other gods, like, I, like you start naming off all the Greek gods and you start walking through, you know, they you couldn't really see him and touch him, but like they like they were a spirit. So it's, oh, so your Jesus is just like all these other Jesuses. That's what they were trying to teach. And John's like, uh, nope, uh, I was with the guy. I ate with the guy. I, I saw it happen. Like, I want to make sure you know that he's not just a spirit or a good idea. And if anyone tells you that Jesus is just a good teacher or he's just a good idea or he's really nice, you know, like they are deceiving you. He was a man who came down on this earth in flesh. Suffered, died, and was buried, and rose again. Amen? Like, that's, that's critical. That's a core piece to our faith. And so he is on it to the point of calling them an Antichrist. This is a big caution light. Jesus is the only way. Any other way is the Antichrist, against the Messiah, against the Anointed One. Verse 8, watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be uh, rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in this teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Wait a minute, I thought we just did a hospitality message last week. I thought we are supposed to be hospitable. So there's a difference between being kind and hospitable and aligning yourself with the Antichrist to know who you are and to know whose you are and to be aware of where you're aligning yourself. Don't take somebody who's against Jesus and actively speaking out against Jesus and bring them into your home. You might get infected. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. So as you think about in these, uh, this uh, text here, There's two pieces There's this love and truth part in the front half And then there's this big warning Finishing the text off it says I have much uh, to write to you But I do not want to use paper and ink Obviously it's only one page Instead I hope to visit you And talk with you face to face So that our joy may be complete The children of your sister Who is chosen by God Send their greetings A lot of times family letters would be like Oh yeah and these people said hello And that's how he ends the letter so you have this idea, what is truth? And that's something I hope that you guys are all running analogies in your mind about this uh, societal truth, societal relativism, cultural relativism, the I and me relativism, the, the I do me, and know that we all affect, we're affecting people around us. And then this idea of this warning, be careful. Now, to me, as I was thinking about this this week, I could easily get on with uh, do not align yourself with those who are against Christ. But you don't want to align yourself. And that's, and that's almost pointing back to like, be careful who, you, uh, who, who your allies are. Because if we're going down a path, ever thought about this or seen this, where you have these people that are rowing in, this, uh, in a straight line, you have these people that are rowing, and we're trying to get to this pole right here. Right? We're going down to this pole. But one person is a saboteur. And they're not rowing against you. You're like, one, two, three. And they're like, one, two. And they're, they're not really rowing. And all of a sudden, you're trying to go to this pole. Let's go somewhere, camera guy. Okay. You're trying to go to this pole, but this person just keeps moving you off the path. And you're moving off the path. Shuva. remember that message? You're moving off the path, and you were trying to get to the truth right there. And you're just a little bit off. Now, guess what happens if I keep walking to Potlatch? And I'm just one or two degrees off. Where am I going to be? I'm going to be a long ways off. What happens when I get to the Canadian border? I'm like in Montana. And so when you think about the idea of who you align yourself with and who are you allowing to influence in your life and what things are moving you off of the true north of who God is, that's something to be very aware of. So those, to me, like the easy ones that are folks that are just like, against Jesus, take that, versus the folks that are like, no, yeah, Jesus, oh, yeah, you, I know Jesus too. Okay, cool. Do you know him the same way I do? Yeah, he's a great teacher. Yeah, but is he Lord of your life? No, he's a great teacher. Oh. Well, what else? you know, like Muhammad. He's a great, he was a good teacher. You know, like Joseph Smith. You know, like... Buddha, you know, like, and you just start going, and it's like, wait a minute. How do we get off the path? So don't align yourself, even with those who are neutral. As a Christian, you're the leader. You're taking people to where truth is. You know where truth is because you study God's word. You believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. The Holy Spirit resides in you, and you can hear him, and you're going to move towards the truth that God has. Truth and love is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. He is the model of truth and love. That is what the idea of truth looks like, is following him the best that you can. And you're going to come off the path, and have to come back. (laughs) Hey, I'm, all right, all right, coming back. I'm like, I'm just... But I know where the truth is and I know that the truth in Jesus Christ will set you free and no one can do this journey for you by the way your parents can't do this journey for you they can start you off on a path but guess what you have this little thing called free will don't you want to just grab your kids and force them to love you You love me love me Or do you actually want your kids to want to love you? Do you actually want them to see something in you, in your life, and how you're living it out to be like, wait a minute, I was over here and this is, that's the path I want to be on because I've seen the fruit of it in my own family. Sometimes it hasn't been that great a fruit on occasion. But like they know in their heart that that's the path. One of our sermon club guys said, remember those bracelets they used to wear? What would Jesus do? And then they kind of became a fad or whatever. But like, if that was really how we functioned, then we'd have to actually know what Jesus did. And then we'd have to choose to do what Jesus did as well. And so when we have all this idea, these big ideas of like truth, there is an attack on truth in our culture. And I don't think it's new. I think this has been around for a long time, but the idea is for Satan is that if you confuse them, you... Nobody else is in sales in here? Okay, let me teach you this lesson real quick. Whew. Do a whole banker's life sales teaching here. No. If you confuse them, you lose them. And Satan is the author of confusion. And he wants you to be really confused about what truth is. He wants you to have to scrap and fight and claw your way back to the kingdom of God. And some of us just have to take an inventory. And guess what truth will not be sometimes? Popular. Well, that seems a little culturally insensitive. I know you should talk to Jesus about it. We're not trying to be rude or boastful. We're trying to guide people to the Savior. We are not their Savior. We want to introduce them to Him and let Him change the hearts and minds of God's people. Amen? No? No? Nobody? Okay. There we go. You know, Jesus did this with people that He loved, He did this with people that hated Him. He modeled what it looks like to be the way, the truth, and the life. And that is what we should be pursuing. Finishing up before we head to communion here. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you're in here today because your mom made you come to church, maybe you're in here today and you're like, yeah, I've heard all the Jesus stuff before. I recognize that I may be chasing some wrong, some truths that have led me down a path that are not great. This is a chance for you to get back on the path. And you have a group of people here that would love to help you get back on the path. You do not have to do it by yourself. You are not designed to do life by yourself. You are designed to do it in community. And that is one of my major goals. I've asked myself this question, why do I even do Sunday anymore? We can can do it online. Save everybody the pressure of driving here, all this other stuff. But the point of community, that God may have somebody in here for you to meet today. You may be the one that's going to help somebody uh, move towards what it looks like to follow Jesus in truth. We need community. We need connection. We see people dying trying to connect to their phone. And and doing silly things because they're not receiving that connection because they can't get it through a device. But they can get it through human touch. Somebody giving a hug. Somebody's shoulder to cry on. Somebody to sit and talk to. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So we're going to take this opportunity to experience the truth through communion. If you miss communion, that means you almost walked into it uh, as it rolls through the, the place here. We've been trying to get better and better at that. We've got multiple different reviews about our communion and whether it's good or bad, or we like the old stuff or the new stuff or all those things. This is a symbol. Sometimes it's not a tasty symbol. Sometimes it's not the point of it. But we're coming to this point because we want to all come back and look at, okay, how am I doing with God's truth? Am I preoccupied with God or am I preoccupied with everything else? Am I in alignment? Is it God, my family, my, my, my ex- external family, my work, or do, are some of those messed up? Anybody have work in the first place? Like sometimes, then we have, you know, among my, my friends, my, my my hobbies, my things I want to do, sometimes jump up to number one. Are you vertically aligned with Jesus Christ? Important things we think about. So, if everybody has communion, we're going to take this time to celebrate this today. Let me lead us in directed prayer first, though. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this particular letter. I thank you for the warning about not getting off track. I thank you that you did not leave us without truth, that you actually reside, chose to reside inside those who follow you to give us guidance, and when we hear you well, Lord, we try and follow what you would have for us, and that truth leads us closer to you, and it comes and brings shalom to those that are around us. Lord, help us pursue this. Your tiny little book, your 298 words here, has a lot to say. Lord, help us to pursue truth, and we pursue it through Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. For those that are hurting and that are in pain, Father God, we just ask for healing that would come upon them, whether it's the knowledge of the doctors or whether it's just your supernatural healing that would fall upon somebody that believes that you can actually heal, and yet you do heal, Father God. We ask for that, and not just in physical healing, Lord, but emotional healing. People that are broken in their, in their hearts, they're alone, they've been rejected, they've been hurt, they're, they're in pain, and we wouldn't even know it to walk by him. But, Lord, we ask that you would just be upon them, that you would bear our burdens. Lord, it says, you know, you said uh, that your your burden is, uh, for, for us, you can help our burdens be light, that you're willing to carry those, and you did that when you went to the cross. Everything that we've done in the past, everything that we might do in the future that's against you, Lord, you have sacrificed for. You want a relationship with your children, but you won't force it. You want us to want it, to be free to accept it. Lord, help us to accept it well. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he uh, he took this bread and he he gave thanks and we broke it. He said, this is my body and this is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's take and eat. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Lord, help us remember that there is truth and that you are the truth, and that you provided a way, we just got to open up and look for it and be receptive to it. We thank you for being the truth. Father, again, I just thank you for this time. Thank you for this word. I ask that it would just be marinating in people's hearts, Lord. Your word, your purpose, that people would be drawn to do their own studies of this book that you continue to watch over us as we continue to try and teach your word passionately, uh, Lord, and that you're the one that, that makes change in people's hearts. Lord, we want to follow you as a community, as a church. We want to make a difference. Help us to be your truth. Help us to be the light. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.